0: This episode is brought to you by the insurance agent I use for my own business, Doug Lynch, and his broker, Tracy Deerfelt with the Nationwide Contractors Alliance. In the last year, I got to know Doug and Tracy as they were consulting for me on some questions I had for my own company. And after more than a decade in the business, I can confidently say I didn't even understand half the equation when it comes to general liability insurance. I'm confident, actually, that very few builders do. I had some big gaps in my understanding and even more in my coverage. Now this is a risk heavy business and you can't leave everything you've built, no pun intended to chance. Make sure you have good protection, make sure you have reliable protection and make sure the agents you work with have your back. Doug and Tracy are by far the best I've found in the business or I wouldn't use them myself. They assessed my particular business, built me a customized plan around it and now, Of course, I sleep better at night as a result. Visit douglaslynch.com and nwcalliance.com to learn more about how insurance and other solutions can really work for builders. If the audio quality is a little shoddy on this one, it's because I'm recording this from a hotel in Columbia where we just launched a few new entrepreneurship programs from a nonprofit that does a lot of work down here. And why am I telling you this, you might ask? Well, because Columbia starts with a C, which makes for a very nice segue into this episode as the country where today's guest hails from also starts with a C, that is Canada. And our guest, a fellow custom home builder, Byron Brooks of Brookwright Developments. Byron and his company operate in Calgary Canada where they build very nice homes with an ethos that needs to be shared with other builders and that's exactly why I wanted Byron to come on today you see he has an excellent grasp of who his company is and they do a really good job of communicating that to their clients beyond that he has a great strategy of building architect relationships something else I wanted to visit with him about So this is one of those episodes where we get to learn from a fellow builder who is in the trenches alongside us and who's invested heavily in developing his brand and his business. Enjoy this episode. Byron, let's start at the top here. Tell us a little bit about Brookwright. Okay.
1: Um, So Brookwright is a a custom home building company up here in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, we started about seven years ago, um, with in, in 2013 here in Calgary we had a big flood, uh, and a house that we were working on at the time, uh, unfortunately got flooded um, just after handover, and this was quite a large, uh, quite a large project. So we were invited back to do the flood restoration on that project, and uh, and then our work just kind of stemmed from there. The architects were happy with the work that we did, and they asked us to get involved with them on a, on another new build. Uh, following that and um, We've just kind of gone on from there to the point now where we have a a staff of 14 people um, And are involved in a quite a few interesting uh, Projects both new builds and some renovation projects
0: now you guys are focused almost exclusively on the Luxury ultra luxury market. Is that correct? That's
1: funny. That is a that's, that's certainly um, some of the work that we've done to date. And that definitely is the, the perception of the work we do here in the industry. Um, strangely, and I don't know if this is the right move or not, we're actually trying to um, combat that a little bit just because that ultra luxury and even the, the term luxury is when we try and shy away from a little bit. But um, that sort of ultra luxury segment of the market represents a very small piece of the market. So what we're trying to do um, is is demonstrate that we can bring the same level of of care and attention and quality um, to uh, to what would be more semi-custom or smaller renovation projects. So that's been kind of a focus of ours this year to diversify our offerings. But yes, okay. of m- many of the houses we've had we've had unique opportunities to to go to the nth degree with detailing and finishes, uh, and that's been that's been incredibly gratifying, but but that's not all we do
0: yeah okay well i've seen your work not in person because i have not ever visited uh that part of canada but uh i've seen i've seen pictures of what you do and it looks pretty amazing so um i'm sure you guys are going to make a great transition into any other kind of a more affordable price segment that you guys jump into all right let's let's talk a little bit about uh something that's been on my mind lately that is i've been listening a lot to uh Simon Sinek, the author who, uh, wrote, uh, start with why. And, uh, I got interested in him after our interview with David Lutberger and uh, basically Simon m- believes that, uh, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So I say that cause I want to put you on the hot seat. Why does Brookwright exist?
1: <laughs> that, is, that is the hot seat. All right, here we go. Um, the, and and I've, I've read I've read stuff from both of those, those guys um, as well, and there's they're, they're some great information in the, in the stuff they've put out. Um, as as to Brookrate's why I, I think this is this is a difficult one for for tradespeople um, to define. And the way we've come to think about it, um, and this is going to be pretty broad ranging, but I'll I'll try and keep it focused. But but the way we've come to think about it is that we want people, both architects, designers, and the clients, ultimately, to enjoy the process of building a house. We've seen projects uh, come to fruition where the quality's there, uh, we were on budget, but the clients didn't like the process of building the house and weren't satisfied um, with the end result, to the point, there was one guy I was meeting with recently, um, he had built a whole new house, but the, the process left such a bad taste in his mouth that he ended up selling the house and moving on. So I was meeting with him about uh, renovating a new house that he had, that he had purchased. Um, all by way of saying that is kind of our why, is because we enjoy that level of collaboration and that level of, uh, of service that we strive to give our clients and our architects and designers. And, and I think that kind of leads to another way that we think about our work um, in that while we're in the practice of building things, ultimately our business in in construction is that we're a service business. And if we drop that service aspect of of what we do, um, then then we view that as failing. So I don't know, I don't know if that fully answers your question, but but that's kind of a little bit about how we think about it.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I wanted to bring up because well, let me back up. I wanted to ask you that question because it's just something that I want. Uh, the rest of us to start thinking about. I, I really believe that it's a fundamental lever that we don't really take advantage of in our branding and our marketing, and start thinking about our why, then we really can hone in on a much better message. And you're the perfect guy to ask that to because, you know, when we had lunch a few weeks ago, actually, it might have been a few months ago now, you're visiting Austin. And that was one of the things that really stuck out in our conversation was uh, you had this kind of uh, passionate response, in a sense, wow. to like uh, what it is that sets you guys apart and makes you different. And you guys are this this service oriented business that you give you give this experience to your your clients, and it just so happens that your uh, your industry happens to be home building and um i'm butchering pretty much everything I'm, <laughs> I'm butchering the beauty of of i'm communicating the essence of what you said but the beauty of it um, you did a much better job when you said it to me originally but and well and now but i say that because i want people to understand that there really is something deeper to to this whole conversation and our marketing the way all of us market, for the, not all of us, most of us market, is we market the what of what we do, which is what everybody else is doing. And if you really get into the why of what you do, I think you hit on the the uh, real point that this brilliant author, Simon Sinek, is making saying that people buy why you do it. Anyway, you guys do yeah. a fantastic job.
1: Yeah, and, and you saying that reminds me of another way that internally we describe... Um, kind of what makes us unique, which is just which is closely related to to our why And that's so so in a part a part of my past. So I came up uh, in commercial construction I have a carpentry background, so I, I got my carpentry ticket um, Started pursuing that right after my uh, high school principal invited me to leave school a little bit early. So I I went into carpentry and did that in the commercial setting for a number of years then i i kind of wasn't enamored with that market anymore and i took a year off and i went to furniture making school i went to a a school called the inside passage school of fine woodworking um, on the coast of british columbia just north of uh, vancouver and i took a year a, a full year just making handmade furniture so designing and building uh, furniture by hand which I look back now from where I'm at in my life and I don't think in my youth at that time, I properly appreciated the unique opportunity um, that that was. But all by way of saying that represents kind of the the craft side. And I leaned way, way to the craft side and came to see how great that could be and how gratifying that could be to literally build something that you designed uh, and built all by hand. Um, So we're able to apply some of those lessons. And the way we think about it internally now is we describe our role as brookwright, um, we represent the craft side of our industry, whereas construction is traditionally viewed as a a commodity business. And this is kind of the suburban uh, development model. And I think this is the way a lot of clients and homeowners think about construction. You always get asked that like, what is it per square foot to build this? Um, So if that's the commodity side of the business, and that's what clients perceive. We represent the craft side, where where we can measure the value in in dollars and cents and square feet, because we have to as part of our process. But that doesn't that doesn't completely capture the whole essence of what we do in bringing that level of craft and care and attention and service uh, to our work every day.
0: That was something else you said when we were having lunch. You said we're we're builders. We, we don't want to be seen as general contractors. We want to be seen as a true builder who embraces this passion for the craft and brings that to our job and yeah going on a little bit of a tangent um you know one uh, another thing that you mentioned I just I want to communicate to everybody that's really cool is in explaining that one thing you said is that you you guys have your your in-house crews that are so well trained and uh you know well, good representation of your company. So when your clients show up on your job site, they know the client's first name, the clients end up getting to know them. And, uh, and your whole team has this very uh, unified approach to kind of representing this passion for the craft that, that you guys have and representing this passion for the service. And from what I understand, your, your customers really, really value that
1: yeah yeah we we like that so that's another thing that's that's a little bit unique about us is we have our own our own staff we have our own carpenters and laborers and apprentices and more so i I don't know exactly what what the model is like uh, in austin or in other markets but i know that's a bit unique um in our market having our own having that many of our own um field staff but one thing we make a real point of is when we're bringing the clients through for for tours of their active project we'll introduce everybody by name like recognizing that we're all humans so so we'll go through and we'll say oh here's peter he's the plumber uh he's he's working on this mechanical room um doesn't look great and then and then we'll we'll get peter will stop for a few minutes and he'll explain to us and the clients um what he's doing and what he's working on and he's able to talk through and describe kind of the care and attention he's putting into what could otherwise be viewed as sort of a mundane just subtrade task, he gets to share in that pride of the work that he's doing. And it creates a nice little moment for the clients. Um, so, so we try and, we try and uh, fit those, fit those opportunities to make human connections and describe the craft, um, wherever we can.
0: Do you feel that your philosophy that we're talking about translates into like actual tangible more sales or better cost customers walking through your door?
1: I think in in our experience, because we're um, we're not often the first point of contact for potential clients. A lot of our work comes through architects and designers. So I think that that philosophy really speaks um, really speaks to the architects and the designers, and I think it resonates with them um, as they tour through our job sites and and they see like, oh, these guys. People talk about collaboration, but but Brookwright's actually doing it, so um, I guess the answer to that would be would be yes in kind of a roundabout way.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that for uh, for a second because uh, I know you guys really utilize uh, architectural relationships as your favorite client strategy. Can you explain or expand on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, for sure. I have I have a few uh, I have a few notes about this actually because I thought this might um, come up, but I know. And, and now, and I also have to say, I'm getting to a point in my career where, and just my life where I'm worried that I'm starting to believe my own bullshit. So all of this stuff is just my ideas and how I've interpreted the ideas of others. So uh, so if people want to correct me on anything or have other ideas, I, I want to hear about it um, because I'd like to know. But yeah, so I know David Lupberger has talked about this. I know Matt Reisinger has talked about this as well, but I thought I would um, talk about how we apply this to our business, where we try and um, our marketing, such as it is, is focused on on architects themselves and on demonstrating that we can work with them at a design build level of collaboration without um, kind of marrying our firm to one particular style and, and without uh, them having to maintain the whole kind of construction infrastructure and, and letting them know they have a team they can trust. And so some of the ways we, we do this, Uh, And I've got a few here, so I'm just going to go into it. Um, In our market here in Calgary, uh, we have the University of Calgary that has a a master's of architecture program. So um, they host uh, lecture series and they'll host shows. So I'll make a point of of attending those. Um, We have a program where we hire a, a master's of architecture student every summer to work in the field, partly because I just think it's funny. Um, to get architects digging holes and banging together lumber and, and just doing some of that sort of mundane tasks that go into construction. It helps to give them a better breadth of understanding of, of what those lines on the page actually mean in in the physical world. Um, and that's that's been really well received. We actually have a guy returning this year um, from, from last year. And then I think we're going to bring uh, two students on this year, which will be interesting. Um, we also have a few, like... There's a few design lecture series outside of that that happen here in Calgary and because I'm interested in architecture It's not a real stretch for me to attend those But it's funny because I'll attend those and I'll be the only Builder sitting in the room um, in a room full of architects. So so inevitably there's some connections that come out of that Um, We when we have clients that are open to it and we have a project that's interesting and is nearing completion we've just discovered that uh, designers and architects love Site tours. So we try and um, do a site tour every week to show them the work that we're doing, and like I said, introduce them to some of the people. Um, same thing with architecture students. Architecture and design students love getting out to site. So it doesn't take a lot of a uh, doesn't take a lot of interaction. It can be as easy as an Instagram message to a, a designer in your area that you admire to say, Hey, we've got this cool project going on. Why don't you come out and have a look? Uh, and I think you'll see that there aren't a lot of no's that that come out of that. Um, a couple other things, uh, I, we did a guest lecture um, for an interior design program uh, here in Calgary as well um, for the for the final year uh, interior design studies students. Um, we're going to be doing a lecture at the technical college here in town um, to the engineering and project management students. So sorry, all by way of saying, just get, getting involved with the schools uh, I've found has been helpful because you catch designers and architects at a point when they're really enthusiastic about about their work and their network isn't fully developed so it's a bit of a longer term play but but it's uh, it's been pretty successful for us in just getting our name out there uh, in town. And yeah, I think that's those are some of the ways we pursue that.
0: I appreciate the perspective that you're taking because it's a little different than what's the, the common practice on how to build architectural relationships. So Always, always love hearing kind of different, unique approaches, and yeah, that's that's those are a few I have not heard before. I like I like them, and I can see how that can definitely get you some uh, get you some longer term relationships, longer term investments. But you know, a lot of times that the the best things that we can be doing are going ahead and sowing the seeds for things that may not pay off for a while.
1: Yeah, and and like I said, it's it's things that like we're we're fans of architecture, both me and my my partner Brian. Um, and some of our staff, we just like good design and architecture, so it's not a real stretch to get involved with some of these things and and kind of learn to speak the speak the language. We always joke about uh, we we're gonna uh, we might host our own event and then we want to do a game of architecture lingo bingo where uh-huh. we pass out cards and you have words like. Rectilinear and, and materiality, and then you fill out a card <laughs> because we work with a few architects where you could like you could fill a card in like a half hour conversation. Uh, so it's it's difficult sometimes as a as a as from a builder, typically from the kind of the non academic side of the world, to sort of understand some of their lingo and not and not giggle at it. But we thought it'd be a fun way to kind of uh, poke a bit of fun at some of our architect colleagues and most of them we've we've talked about that too just end up laughing and and being completely on board so yeah architecture architecture lingo bingo it's the thing we're going to start god I man,
0: yeah you need to trademark that yeah um okay and one of the things that we've talked about before but let's revisit it here while we're recording what about um you get that architect relationship how, how do you How do you prefer to care for that relationship and really take care of them to make sure that it's kind of fruitful for for everybody and that they end up uh, uh, referring more clients to you in the future? Because obviously it's the lifetime value of that architect relationship that's most valuable. So how do you take care of that relationship?
1: So so I th- one of the main ways is just with the with the idea that we view architects not as an impediment to getting a job done, but rather as an integral part of the team that it takes to get a project done. So just making that little that little shift in your mind away from kind of the traditional construction model of just give me the drawings and then get out of my hair and I'll call you when we're ready to send the photographer in. That's not our jam. We like we make sure we get in close and truly um, try and collaborate and it takes time to build up, but, and also like all of these, all of these things I'm talking about, they all have to be backed up by the fundamental of just being good at your job, like it, performing projects really well, um, having at the end of a project, happy clients and happy designers, that that becomes your best kind of calling card. So I think, yeah, it's those, those two things, it's viewing them as an integral part of the process and um, and successfully performing
0: projects okay good advice um i got one other for you i got a, i got a little curveball for you here do it we got we got a good amount of our listeners from up there in canada and your part your neck of the woods and other parts of canada and every one of you guys i talk to you guys know your shit, and do nice work what the hell is going <laughs> on up in canada
1: I, I, that's a good, that's a good question. Oh, and this is a good time for me to introduce if there's, especially if there's people that aren't listening in your market. I, I got the chance to, like Jared mentioned, I got the chance to go for lunch with him. I was in Austin uh, for a stag. So having lunch with Jared was a nice sober break, but Jared, I don't think you do video, but for all the other listeners, Jared looks like Texas he's about nine feet tall drives a big truck Is saying yes sir and no ma'am to everybody he comes across so it, it was it was kind of funny for those for those of you that haven't seen Jared that's what that's what his his appearance is um but up here in Canada I don't know man I think it might be a, one one difference I think might be is that we have a, a nationally regulated trades training program uh-huh. Um, so like I, I'm certified as a red seal carpenter, which I think transfers over. So we have like, it's an interprovincial uh, designation with like a four year, it's four years in BC. It's three years in Alberta, it's longer school terms, which becomes kind of like, a, um, uh, not a, not a cooperative, not an internship, but it's a, it's a work while you learn. So you go to school for 10 weeks a year and then you're training under a, another carpenter. So, Perhaps perhaps that plays a role Um, And then there's probably just some self-selecting going on where people that are listening to your podcasts are doing so because they want to Get better educated and they want to learn and I think that comes from a place of already having built a a Foundation of interest in in the work that we do, but I appreciate that. That's actually an interesting Observation I, I didn't I didn't know there was a difference north to south
0: Yeah, well it's just been a been an observation like you said there might be some some self-selection bias that's happened there um anybody that's going to sit around and listen to you know our boring 30-minute construction business podcast is going to be pretty dedicated to the craft
1: maybe we drive a lot more too maybe we just like like right now our i drive probably (laughs) oh, I don't know, eight or nine hours a week. So we're doing a couple projects that are about an hour out of town, rural projects. So yeah. I have a lot of podcast listening time, which, which is good. And maybe there's, more, maybe there's more Canadians because of our smaller markets that end up going further afield. But anyway, I don't know. Interesting, interesting uh, observation for sure.
0: Yeah, well, I know you got to run. You got uh, a jam-packed day, so um, we'll let you go. But first, let us know where uh, where we can connect with you.
1: Uh, so Instagram has been kind of our, our best tool. We have a website, um, Brookrite.ca, uh, but then on Instagram as Brookrate Construction. That's um, that's where we're most active, um, and I've I've really loved Instagram as a tool to connect with people and as a tool to describe to people um, the work that we do. We try and shy away uh, from the pretty pictures. Some of those show up, but we try and get a little bit um, behind the scenes and show some of the people that are working on on our projects. Um, and and b- before before we kick off, one thing I wanted to talk about—we talked about this briefly uh, when I was in Austin—but one thing that we did uh, here locally um, is I started a um, what we call builders and brews group. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was working in a. Um, well, here I'll go. I'll go a little bit further back, but I won't. I won't. I won't go too long. So uh, in recent years, the rules changed here in Alberta. Um, where it, it created the opportunity for a whole bunch of craft breweries to open up. And, and I'm a craft beer fan, so um, so I was paying attention to kind of that idea. And then we had the opportunity to work um, in the tap room, to build out the tap room for a brewery here. And as we were working in there, um, guys from another competing brewery would come in, and I would say, hey, what are you guys doing here? And they would say, oh, we're here to help them set up this equipment, because we messed it up when we set up our brewery, we don't want them to do the same thing. I thought, okay, that's a weird one-off. And then uh, a couple days later, different brewers would come in, again, competitors, um, they would have a pallet with bags on it, I'd say, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we had extra hops, so we're just dropping this off for, for Erica and Andrew, because we know they need some for this batch of beer. I thought, okay, this is getting to be a bit of a a thing. And then a few days later, other brewers come in with kegs. Again, what are you guys doing here? He said, oh, we're dropping off this beer for their opening because we, they need to make sure they have a beer on tap when the doors open. So I kind of followed up on that and reached out to a few brewers after that and said, what is going on? Like, why, why are you guys, like, why, why is your competition literally just down the road? Why are they coming over here and, and helping you guys out? And they explained to me that they recognize that they're better off building each other up locally and helping each other to get started um, because then they can shave off a a bigger piece of the overall beer market from people like the the Budweiser's and the InBevs and the Coronas of the world, those those big uh, multinational companies. So I thought, man, that's super cool. Like, and so they they team up on on marketing and manpower and uh, like, uh, brewery tours and all these different initiatives, and I thought, why doesn't our industry do that? Like we all care equally about what we're doing in construction and design. So I reached out to a few of my colleagues on Instagram, and then born out of that has been quite an interesting um, builders and brews sort of movement where we have uh, we have educational sessions every um, three or four months, and then a workshop that goes along with that, and then just an opportunity to to kind of hang out with your colleagues and. And talk shop and and for me the connections that's led to and to see the connections that's created outside of my own uh, network like opportunities for you might have a shy painter that just never has a chance to to kind of meet designers or be in the same room as as other general contractors so it's been it's been really really cool to see both how people have received that and how people have stepped up to volunteer uh and, and just kind of a little bit of excitement in and all working together to make our industry better um, has been has been super gratifying for us in the last year, and we're excited to kind of see where that goes in in the years to come. And
0: that can be found uh, that's at Builders and Brews YYC on Instagram as well. Okay, we need a lot more of that. By the way, we've got something similar in Austin called the Austin Infill Coalition. For, oh, cool! for infill builders with much worse name than builders and brews by the way um yeah. but something something similar and uh i think that what you're on to though with creating a little bit of a mastermind a little bit of a community where builders can come together and learn from each other and be inclusive uh as opposed to what we oftentimes tend to do which is, for whatever reason, we're, we tend to be a pretty secretive industry where like, everybody keeps their cards close to their vest. And I, I am not a big fan of that. I don't think that benefits really anybody. Um, so I whenever I hear stories like what, what you're doing up there, I think it's pretty innovative and pretty cool. So thank you for doing that. And uh, you guys who are listening, be sure to go check out what Byron's up to on Instagram, uh, which we will link to in the show notes. And then also... Uh, builders and brewers. We'll, we'll link to that as well. So Byron, you are a gentleman and a scholar, my friend. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Hey, thank you, thank you very, very much for having me. And I, uh, like we talked about in Austin, I got to bring the family down there for for a holiday. Yeah, and, uh, and come hang out for a bit again.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go go get wild down here in, in Austin, <laughs> Texas.
1: Get some barbecue.
0: Yeah. All right, man. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Jared.